Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles and go to two passages tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then also Psalm chapter number 19. 2 Timothy 2 and Psalm 19. No doubt um, these passages are going to be familiar to us. Uh, we've really, we come to them probably, I preach from 2 uh, Timothy 2.15, probably about three to four times a year. And, uh, and then Psalm 19, usually twice to three times a year, just because of the health that I think it brings to our spiritual walk of the reminder of the truths that are presented in it. Last week, we started uh, really just kind of a little short series. I wasn't intending for it to be a series, but it turned into one. Uh, it just simply called Reality Check. And so tonight, Robert retitled my message. I had re- Reality Check Take Two, and Robert said, can I just call it another Reality Check? And I think it's great. So uh, we're going to have another Reality Check tonight. And uh, the whole premise of it is trying to determine... Um, trying to determine where our focus should be, trying to determine what is real and, and what is not. Um, because all too often we can, I think if we're honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord, that we would admit that a lot of times what consumes our thinking and what consumes our time and our interests and what consumes our life can often be things that don't really matter. They, they can be important things, but not the most important thing. And really, it goes back to where we started a few weeks ago when we looked uh, at our theme for the year out of 2 Corinthians. Of course, our theme out of Romans 8. But we looked at this verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 18 as we wrapped everything up uh, back on January 3rd. And Paul wrote this, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And, you know, so often we can get focused on the temporal. We get focused on what's going on around us, our loved ones, our work. Uh, we can get focused on the turmoil of the day. Dustin brought it up, whether it's the political unrest or the financial struggle. We can get focused on so many things that we lose sight of what's really important. And so last week, the reality check we had was out of Luke chapter 16, that what really matters in life is real people, real places, and then we were challenged with a real proposition, understanding that every single person we meet is going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And the fact is that you and I, if you know Christ as your Savior, we have the answer And so we don't need to just go through life from uh, task to task and job to job and appointment to appointment and and, uh, what we think is important and miss all the people going by us. And so we looked out of Luke 16 at at the rich man and Lazarus and understood that life is made up of real people uh, and they're all going to spend eternity in one of two real places, heaven or hell. And so there's the real, that real challenge that was in there, uh, which is to have a burden for the lost and uh, lift our eyes to eternity and 
and realize that life is not just about uh, me gaining and getting and moving forward. Life is about what we're going to take to eternity with us. And the, the number one thing we can take with us is people, uh, taking people to eternity with us um, because we've shared Christ with them. And so tonight, we're going to get just another reality check. And uh, it's going to be in these two passages. And so um, let me see real quick. Let's do this. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2, and let's stand together, and let's look at 2 Timothy 2.15, and then uh, and then we'll go to Psalm 19 and be there for the rest of the night. But 2 Timothy 2.15, it says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why don't you read that verse with me, all right? 2 Timothy 2.15, ready, begin. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Tonight we're going to get a, a reality check, a place, uh, something that I think we kind of need to refocus in on, and that's the fact that many of us and people all throughout our culture go through struggles, go through challenges and go through life. And we often turn to so many resources and avenues that aren't going to help us like the word of God can. And I don't know about you, but refocusing back on the word of God often brings peace. It brings strength. It brings joy back into my life. It brings restoration to a fellowship. There's so much the word of God brings into our lives And so tonight, the reality check simply is this, that we can turn to resources and we can turn to things and people and and hobbies and habits to find joy and strength and peace. Or we we can turn and lean into our walk with the Lord, turning into scripture and finding his word that ministers to our life. And so we're gonna look at this verse as well as Psalm 19. So let's pray and then, uh, and then we'll get into the thoughts tonight. Dear Lord, I just want to come before you and I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you tonight for your spirit and how you use the concepts of, uh, of the word of God with your spirit to speak to our hearts. And Lord, I want to pray right now that you would help us to just dial in and to tune in to what you have for us. Help us to realize tonight that the lives that we live and the struggles that we face is nothing new. That through, uh, through history, people have been struggling where, with where they receive strength and people have been struggling with what they walk through. And yet you have always had that resource of your word available to us. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight uh, to remember that, to refocus in on that. And Lord, tonight that we would just have a, uh, a renewed decision to be back in your word and to be people that look to scripture uh, every single day. We love you. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Before we we get into 2 Timothy 2 and Psalm 19, I want to kind of just give us uh, a little bit of of context of why I would be preaching a, a short little series like this. How many of you know that right now, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in our world? (laughs) And there's a lot of uncertainty going on. Um, There's the political situations that we face. 
There's the economical and financial crisis. There, of course, is health concerns and situations. Uh, Then on top of that is everybody's personal struggles. I mean, you got your personal struggles of your marriage and your work and your kids and your job. There's just all of that stuff. And I think all too often, as as we travel through life and as we travel through circumstances and situations, that all too often we look at our struggles and we think that our struggles are isolated to us or to our generation. And we think, man, there hasn't been, there hasn't been a generation before that has ever faced what we are facing. And I want to present to us tonight the simple thought that everything we're facing is not new. And everything we're facing political unrest, economical instability, uh, emotional struggles, financial uh, uh, struggle, disease, health crisis, all of that stuff, it's been around forever. It's been around forever. You look at the, uh, look at the politics of history. One nation rises and another nation falls, and it's just, it's just cyclical. It's just going to keep happening. You look at health crises. There is always going to be a pandemic, an epidemic. There's always going to be something going on. And I fear that too many Christians, when we come to a time like this, we face circumstances and we begin to isolate it to our generation and say, man, we are, living, we are living in a time that no one else has ever dealt with. That's not true. We're living maybe in certain circumstances that haven't been faced before by us, but we're not living in times that, of things that have never been dealt with before. And throughout history, there is one common theme that has helped believers through every circumstance and every struggle that they faced. And that one common thing has been the Word of God. The Word of God has kept stability in the life of the believer from the very first time, very first thing that was written, all the way until now. People have leaned into the Word of God. We have a ton of characters in Scripture to know that to know that about. Uh, you think about Moses. What did Moses lean into? He leaned into the words of God. Uh, you could go uh, to Job. Even Job leaned into the promises that he knew. And Job didn't have a Bible per se to use. He just had uh, the context of who God was and different promises that he knew God had passed down from generation to generation. Job leaned into it. You can go to the New Testament and, of course, find Peter and John. John facing so much persecution, and yet the book of Revelation reveals to us not only the end times, but it reveals to us John's heart as he went through circumstances. You know what John did? He just leaned into his relationship with the Lord and the word of God. He leaned into the promises that he had from God. So we not only have people in scripture, but we have people historically. Man, history shows every generation of people that have leaned into the Lord. You can go back even, I leaned into their walk with God. You can go back even to the beginning of our country. Man, the beginning of our country, my dad and I were talking about it the other day, that, uh, man, America has been established, of course, for uh, over 250 years now. And you look at that and think about the established, or just about 250, we're almost 250, right? 1776, 26, yeah, we're almost to 250. Uh, you look at America and look at 250 years, and we say, man, America has had religious freedom for 250 years. No, we haven't. We haven't had religious freedom for 250 years. 
We've had religious freedom for probably uh, about a total of 150 of those 200 of those 250 years. And when America was being established, you can look historically, there were people of God that were persecuted for believing in Jesus Christ and for preaching the truth and for standing up against, uh, uh, against the, the church and different doctrines and things of that nature. And I'm not here to give you a history lesson. I'm just simply pointing out this truth that all throughout history, there have been struggles, there have been challenges, but you know what people have done? They've leaned into the word of God. They've come back to the word of God. I want you to go with me to 2 Timothy 2.15 and notice what it says. Just the simple wording of the verse. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. The word study here, it means to give diligent effort and earnest labor. That's what the word means. Study the word of God. Study, give diligent effort and earnest labor in the word of God. And then it says, for the purpose of showing yourself as an acceptable follower to God. When it says a workman that needed not be, or excuse me, it says uh, to show thyself approved unto God, that means to be an acceptable follower. Some would say, oh, well, that means if I don't study, then God doesn't give me his approval. I don't believe that's what it's in reference to. Study to show yourself as an acceptable follower of God. To who? To other people. That other people look at you and know, they, they know what they believe. Man, they know what they believe and why they believe it. Study, give diligent effort, dig into the word of God. Why? So that you can show yourself, so that when people see you, they'll know they're not, it's not just a crutch for them. It's not just another little thing for them. No, this is their life. They have given themselves to it. And then the second part says that you can show yourself to be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. There's no shame there, rightly dividing, knowing what to believe, knowing the truth to lean into. The principle that Timothy, that Paul was writing to Timothy was very simple. It was, Timothy, stay in the Word of God. Timothy, stay in the Word of God. It's going to bring you doctrine. It's going to bring you uh, the ability for a good testimony. And there's so many things. You can go uh, to 2 Timothy 2, 2, continue thou in the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, and the same commit thou to faithful men which shall be able to teach others also. You can go to so many places and find Paul encouraging Timothy to stay within the Word of God. You know, Paul, he faced some crazy circumstances. Paul faced a lot of challenges. And yet Paul came through those challenges still following the Lord. Why? I believe because he not only had a trust in God, but he resorted to God's word continually. So the question I ask is then, why can we resort to the word of God? Why should we resort to the word of God? And that's where we're going to find some answers in Psalm 19. So take your Bible and let's go to Psalm 19. And we're going to get some help, I think, from Psalm 19 tonight, answering some questions and seeing some answers. Psalm 19, verse 7, down through verse number 14, probably a familiar portion of Scripture, but we'll read it tonight. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord, that testimony, another word for His word. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. 
Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I love Psalm 19. I think the, the first six verses hold some great uh, truth for us about the world pointing to God and the creation. But then in, as you get into the latter half, it begins just to talk about the word of God. And so I want to use Psalm 19 tonight to answer the question, Why should we resort to his word? Why should we continually lean into his word? What profit is there in being one who studies to show ourselves approved unto God? I want to see, first of all, tonight that uh, Psalm 19, it points out the thought of what the word of God is. What the word of God is. There's a number of things listed in this passage that tell us what the Word of God is. And uh, this is probably not going to be new to any of us tonight. Those of us that have been in church for any length of time, uh, we've been to this passage. I think Micah's preached. Micah, how many times have you preached on this passage here? Maybe three, three times. And uh, man, we, we come here often. But I want you to see tonight from this passage what the Word of God is. It says in verse number seven that the law of the Lord is perfect. The word perfect there, it means without blemish. It means infallible. It is complete and completely without error. You think about Psalm or James one twenty five. It says, "But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty." It doesn't mean that it's complete in, or it doesn't just mean that it's complete in the sense of that it's it's uh, totally finished. It means completely perfect, completely infallible. That you can't find errors in it. Um, you've probably heard the stories of, uh, of people like J. Warner Wallace, who was a detective that came to Christ, or a famous lawyer that did it, or a reporter, excuse me, that did it was Lee Strobel. And we've read the story of Lee Strobel, Case for Christ. Uh, man, in that book, and in, in, uh, they, now they've made movies about it and everything, man, he wanted to point out the fallacy of Scripture. That's what he wanted to do. I'm going to point out that Christianity is not real by pointing out that the word of God is not, that, it, that it, it's inconsistent. It has errors. And by the end of it, he came to say, you know what? The word of God is perfect. And there are no errors in it. I'm thankful that we have the word of God and it's perfect. What is the word of God? It's perfect. You Look at John chapter one and verse number one and you read the verse when it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Well, it was perfect, why? Because this is God's word to us. It is a representation, of course, we know uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and all the thoughts that could be said there. But the word of God is perfect. What else is it? Well, it says in, in set verse number seven that the testimonies of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord is sure. The word sure in this verse, it means to be well-established. We would use the phrase, it has a solid foundation. It's sure. You know what? It's well-established. It's not going anywhere. I've showed pictures before of years ago um, in 2000 and I think 2005 is when it was, but when Hurricane Katrina hit 
And I got sent on a relief team with just a few other guys from Bible college. And we drove from Lancaster, California, uh, all the way down to Gulfport, Mississippi. And we drove through everything. And we went through uh, all of the area down there that had been hit by Hurricane Katrina. And you know what was amazing to me? There were, I mean, it was just disasters. It was just, it was crazy. Uh, seeing, you know, boats that were two miles from the ocean inland. And there was one, we went through a Burger King and there was a boat perfectly parked right next to the drive-through window. And that was like the only thing you could see was this boat in the drive-through window at Burger King. Everything else was demolished around it. But one of the things that stood out to me is all of the trees that were just uprooted. And so many trees that literally just tipped over and all of their roots were revealed. It was, it was done. They'd have to cut it all up. But then what was even more incredible were the trees that were still standing. Because you would have one tree that was totally tipped over and ripped out of the ground, and right next to it, a tree that looked very similar, and it, it didn't even look like it had been phased. You know what the difference was? The root system. Usually, they say, statistically, when a hurricane comes through, the trees that stay longest are the trees whose foundation goes deepest whose roots go deepest. You know what? Those trees, they're sure. They're well-established. And the word of God is well-established. It's not going anywhere. It's not changing. So what, what the word of God is, it's perfect. It's sure. The Bible also says that it's, it's a teacher. The word of God is a teacher. It's making wise the simple you can see that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Because it has a solid foundation and because it's well established, it brings wisdom. It teaches wisdom. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.15 that from a scripture, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 2.6, the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Man, God's word is the greatest wisdom that we could ever receive. It teaches wisdom. So what is the word of God? It is pure. It is perfect. It is, it is or excuse me, it is perfect. It is sure. It is uh, a teacher. We can see also from the passage that it's right. The word right here, it just means upright or righteous. It is inerrant, in, and that means that there is, again, no error in it. There is no lie in it. It is complete truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, in the actual Lord's Prayer, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth about every area of life, about eternity, about time, about abilities, about stewardship, about everything. The word of God is right. It's righteous. What else is it? It's a, it's a source of joy. The word of God is a source of joy. The statutes of the Lord are right, doing right, rejoicing the heart. Man, it brings joy into the life. The Bible is the source of divine joy. And we see uh, this, the world around us that just chases happiness and tries to furiously find something to bring joy. And yet as children of God, we have the word of God. And the word of God, it, it is a source of joy. Luke eleven twenty eight. But he said, yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed, divine joy belongs to them that have that. John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And 
The truth is that the word of God, it it is something, a source of joy. It brings joy. One man said, frankly, no man is happier than he who discovers truth. And the truth of the word of God is the greatest treasure to ever be discovered. And what is the word of God? It's perfect. It's sure. It's uh, something that teaches. It is right. It's a source of joy. But then also it is pure. It is pure. The word pure, it means clean and without fault or defect. There's no evil. There's no corruption. It's innocent. It's free of any corrupt charge that can be brought against it. You can see this in Psalm 12, Psalm 119, uh, Proverbs 30. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. We're just looking at what the word of God is. Why should I lean into the word of God? Well, because it's perfect, because it's sure, because it's a teacher, because it's right, because it's well-established, because it's pure, because it, it enlightens. It says there that it enlightens the eyes. Verse number eight It says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It illuminates my understanding and my direction. Man, without the word of God, we wouldn't know our need for Christ. Without the word of God, we wouldn't know the principles to live by. Without the word of God, we wouldn't know the the rest that you can find in the Lord. Man, all of these things just simply come from the word of God. Why? Because it's enlightening. It's enlightening. It illuminates my understanding, literally brings to life my understanding. And then we see that it's valuable. The word of God is valuable. It says in verse number 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Man, God's word is something of value. There is no price that you can put on it. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 138, verse number two, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And God puts so much value on his word that we know from scripture it's elevated above even the, the very name of, of God, the very name of Christ. That's, a, that's an incredible thought. There's a great summary of the word of God and what it is at the end of verse number nine. It says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. But then it says this, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And they're, they're true and righteous altogether. There's no book in existence in the universe that can make the claims and substantiate them. It is only the word of God. It is true and righteous altogether. What is the word of God? Well, it's perfect. It's sure. It's a teacher. It's right. It's pure. It enlightens the eyes. It's, it's something of value. So why should I lean into it? Well, because of what it is. Why else should I lean into it? Well, look at secondly, because of what the word of God does. We should lean into it because of what the word of God does. Look at verse number 11 down through verse number 13. The psalmist writes, Moreover, by them thy words is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is a great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgressions. What does the word of God do in the believer's life? Well, it warns. Verse number 11, moreover, by by them thy servant is, is thy servant warned. 
Man, through the word of God, we are corrected and we are warned about wrong directions and things to not turn to and things to turn to. By the word of God, I am set straight. By the word of God, I am uh, encouraged. By the word, I mean, you think about what does the word of God do. The word of God brings so much warning into the believer's life. You think about so many times in your life when maybe someone has preached a message or you've been reading scripture and you thought, huh, I've never read that before. That's new to me. I guess that means, and you gather from it some sort of a warning. Or maybe someone preached a message and you thought, uh, that's new. I've never heard it said that way before. And, and it was a warning against something. Well, that wasn't because of some preacher. That wasn't because of, of some book that you're reading. It was because of his word. His word warns the heart. What else does his word do? It protects. And his word protects the believer. Notice verse 12 and 13. The first part of 13, it says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And the word of God is that which will protect and direct my path and the way I should go. The word of God not only warns, but it brings protection. It shows me, hey, don't do that. Hey, there is warning in this. Hey, stay away from that. The word of God protects, it blesses. Verse 11b, in keeping of them, there is great reward. Verse 13, the second part, then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You know, when I apply the, the word of God into my personal life, I see personal victory. And think about the times in your life when you've taken God's word and you've applied it and then you've gone through a journey and you've thought, wow, the word actually worked. Wow, that principle actually stood true. Wow, God was faithful. Well, what is that? That's the blessing. That's the blessing of, of following his word and staying in, in that relationship and engaged with the Lord and understanding that God brings blessing into our life. Uh, and it doesn't mean monetary blessing. We took, talked about that on Sunday with the stewardship stuff. It doesn't mean that God's going to bless it the way I think it, but God's promises always bring blessing into my life. What else does it do? Well, it reveals truth. The word of God, it reveals truth to the believer. It says... In verse number 13, then shall I be upright. Then shall I be upright. We already said and looked earlier that the word of God is truth. Well, the word of God reveals truth. It shows me what is true and what is not. The word of God, it also defends. Through the entire passage, you can see the defense of the believer. And I won't highlight all of the verses, but it's something that we find all throughout Scripture that the Word of God becomes a defense for the Christian. You think about probably the, the most resorted to illustration is Jesus in Matthew 4. When he's facing temptation, what does he do? He quotes Scripture to the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, all of the pieces of armor, uh, they point to the word of God being a defender for the believer. So why should we lean into the word of God? Why should we resort to his word? Why should we continually turn to scripture regardless of what's going on around us? Well, because of what the word of God is, but also because of what it does. 
But then thirdly tonight, because of what the word, because of what the word of God brings. What does the word of God bring into our life? Notice verse number 14. Verse 14, this end of uh, David's psalm. He says these words, really as a prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Simply put tonight, the word of God, you know what it brings? It brings change from the inside out. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Why is it that David would go through all of these different things that the word of God does and then close with that little prayer? I think it's because David knew if I'm leaning into his word, if I'm leaning into him, man, he's gonna begin to change me from the inside out. The word of God produces a great blessing in our life and that blessing is change. One of those blessings is change. You can see this all throughout many places in scripture, but it's very easy to look in Psalm 119 and see all of the ways that God's word blesses the life of a believer, but all throughout scripture consistently, the number one thing you're gonna see is the word of God changes us from the inside out. We find cleansing from his word. We find peace from his word. We find heart healing from his word and direction and purpose. Real life and fulfillment comes from his word. But the truth is tonight that while his word does bring change into us, God's word will never be what it's supposed to be. It will never bring what it's supposed to bring and it will never do what it's supposed to do if we're not in it. And I understand tonight that you say, Pastor, this is the Thursday night group. <laughs> of all people, Pastor, this should be the group that, that's in the Word of God. And we're on, we're on live stream on Thursday. We're in-house on Thursday. But I don't know about you. It is so easy to find myself going through tumultuous times and leaning to other resources. Oh, I'm not calling a counselor, leaning into this book or that book, and some people may do that. No, I go, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a little bit of extra time off at this time. And not that those things are bad, but I'm looking to those things to provide some strength and some peace and some endurance when the entire time I have all of that in his word. You see, he not only gave us a letter, but if you've received him as your savior, we know that God has planted inside of us a, one man phrased it this way, a resident truth teacher. And he'll, the Holy Spirit, teach us if I open myself up to it. John 16, 13, Jesus said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. Man, God, God created it so that the Holy Spirit moves into us. And as we read the word of God, the spirit of God takes the word and helps it make sense to us. 
And that's how the change comes from inside out. And the reason we need to determine to, uh, to be consistent in his word and to put importance upon his word is because of this fact that the number one thing, and I say it often, the number one thing the devil fights in our life is our time in the word. Why do you think that is? It's because he knows the potential of it. If you have ever played a sport or coached a sport, I remember coaching basketball and learning from uh, two very good coaches in Oklahoma when I was in Bible college, and these two coaches were just very, very good coaches. And they helped me understand something about defense. One of them, uh, his first name was Rick, he, he helped me understand, you know what you need to do? You need to eliminate the best player. And I think I knew that, but he helped me understand the concept of it. And when, you, when the other team is bringing the ball down, you find the best player on the other team and you find a way to get him out of the game. Not, not hurting him or anything, but put your best defender on their best player. Why? Because you don't want him to be of value during the game. You don't, don't foul him and push him like my dad did when he played basketball. Did you just lean over to her and say, foul him? Oh, that you said foul him. Um, you know what? You find, the, you find the best player and you figure out how can we take him out. If you're a football, a football fan, every good coach is going to say, who's the best defender on the defense and how can, we, uh, how can we chip him? How can we put multiple people against him? How can we stop him from interrupting this game? Who's the number one receiver? How can we stop the quarterback from getting him the ball? You know what? If you're going to attack somebody and win, you're going to attack their best resource. That's why I think the devil attacks believers in the word so much. Because he knows it's our best resource. I don't know if if you've caught on, but with this year, with this last year, 2020, man, the devil has attacked believers. And he's attacked believers from every angle. And you know what I'm finding? I'm finding more and more believers that I'm talking to that are slowly stepping away from the word of God. They're slowly stepping away from that personal time and slowly stepping away from, uh, from their time at church and slowly stepping away from their walk with the Lord. And the devil's having a heyday with that. But here's the thing. It doesn't just happen overnight. I don't know a lot of Christians that are super faithful and and following the Lord and walking with him and leaning into that relationship. I don't know many that just wake up and go, eh, I'm done. I don't know many that do that. I do know a lot that woke up and go, I don't have time today. And then tomorrow, okay, I got time today. Oh, we've got this going on that weekend. Oh, they've got live stream. Oh, they've got, oh, well, you know what? And it just slowly begins. Oh, it doesn't mean that if you miss a service, you know, the the old adage, there's the slippery slope. I don't don't necessarily believe in that to a lot of things. It doesn't mean once you, you know, once you miss one service, bless God, you're going to, you might as well just chalk it up. The devil ate you up. You've lost. Checkmate. You're done. I I don't think that's what it means. But the simple thought I'm getting at is a lot of Christians a lot of Christians don't just start by not being in the word of God. A lot of Christians slowly get there. And so here's the simple thought I want to bring, it, bring out tonight. 
And it's this, that if you and I, if we are going to, if we are going to be what God wants us to be and find strength the way that God wants us to find it, we need to lean into his word. And we've got to lean into his word. Don't turn to other resources. Instead, turn to the scripture. It's his word where we find truths to really build our life upon. I love this quote. I found that years ago, one man said it this way. He said, the Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons, a laboratory of infallible medicines, a mine of exhaustless wealth. It is a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, and a balm for every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost its sun. And every believer needs to understand we should be putting importance upon his word. Not because it's a checklist. Not because, well, if I don't, then God's gonna, you know, maybe God will be mad at me. No, because his Bible is his love letter to us to help us understand we have joy, we have resources, we have strength, we have help, we have health. And as everything becomes tumultuous and crazy around us, we have a resource that we can turn to. And so tonight, let's not get our mind on everything going on around us, whether it's personal, economical, political, whatever. Tonight, let's ask the Lord, God, help me to just renew my mind and refocus upon the word of God. Make the decision. God, I'm just gonna refocus on you and refocus on your word. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.